Hey Clutterbugs, welcome back to the Clutterbug Podcast. I'm so excited today because we have Laura from How to Get Your Shit Together. Hello. Hi, thank you so much for being here. It is honestly an honor. I am fangirling so hard right now. <laughs> oh my God, don't. That's crazy. If you have not seen Laura on her YouTube channel, you have to go check it out at How to Get Your Shit Together. You're so inspiring and I'm excited to have you today. We'll talk more about your journey and, and your health and decluttering. So, but first introduce yourself to everybody. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So my name is Laura, as you mentioned, I am originally from Ireland, currently living in the U S I have one daughter uh, who is not at all on board with decluttering. <laughs> I also have a husband also not on board with decluttering. So it has been quite the struggle. But I think when my daughter was born, that's when I really dove into decluttering because I was struggling so hard with feeling very overwhelmed, feeling like my life was very chaotic. And that's kind of how it all started for me. And it's been a weird and wonderful journey ever since. <laughs> and how old is your daughter now? She is nine now, which is just crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. So the same age as my son, Milo. Yeah. So it's a, it's a special age. Come... It's a special age. It's a great age. Yes. Oh, man. Just hold on. Yep. Hold on, <laughs> man. Teenage years. <laughs> I feel like I they're already what? beginning because she's, she's oh. already like, on the cusp and some of the behaviors are there. I'm like, I can't, I can't, I'm not ready for this. Yeah. It's hard having teenagers. I thought, I thought babies were hard. And then I thought, oh no, toddlers is hard. And then I had this wonderful few years (laughs) and then, you know. Yeah. I I feel like every age is difficult just in different ways. Exactly. In different ways. When I first became a mom, I think that's when I I mean, had to start my decluttering journey too, Mm -hmm. because little humans have an obnoxious amount of stuff. Yes. And so I was already very cluttered. And then I added humans, little baby humans with all their baby things on top of that. Uh And just the pressures of being a mom, were you feeling like I felt very suffocated, which surprised me as a new parent. It wasn't like uh, sunshine and rainbows and and like television and media for me my personal experience I'd love to hear your experience uh, very similar felt very overwhelmed uh, suffered from postpartum depression it was a transition that I was not at all prepared for I mean I thought I was prepared for it but I don't think anything can actually prepare you for it so I had always been very independent had always kind of done my own thing and then to somehow be beholden (laughs) to this little tiny thing who as you say came with all of this stuff I was not ready for that I thought I had my life figured out and then I did not I realized I did not yeah. And were you, were you working at the time or were you doing like the stay at home mom thing? I started working full time. So I was a lawyer at the time. And when I got pregnant, I started reducing my caseload significantly. So I still worked a little bit after she was born, just kind of finishing up cases that I had that were ongoing, then transitioned to being a stay at home mother. But that was not, I just was not 
prepared for that at all. I thought it would be all sunshine and roses and, you know, what you see online and baking and <laughs> play dates and crafting. Um, but that's just not who I am. <laughs> so that was a struggle for me. Yeah. So I, before I became a mom, I was running a charity and I was working multiple jobs and I felt like I was really good at not great at the adulting thing because my house was a disaster, but that I could multitask very well. And so when I became a stay-at-home mom, I thought this should be easier. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that. How hard can it be to take care of a human and, you know, bake cookies and, and clean the, clean the house. But I just could not get it together. And I didn't, I don't know. I was like, this isn't rocket science. You're a lawyer and you struggled. This makes me feel so much better. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, it's just a very different experience. And it's to me was not a pleasant one. Um, it was very eye opening, And obviously I have put kind of systems and things in place since that have helped, but the decluttering was definitely necessary for me. Yeah, it was necessary for me too. And my family, my kids were really little when I started the decluttering journey, but my husband was definitely not on board. Oh yeah. So he he sees everything for kind of the dollar amount, what it would cost to replace it. He thinks it's very wasteful. And so it it's been a struggle to get him on board and he's coming on board now. And I think a lot of it is, I mean, this is my channel and it's my career and he has no other choice, but also he sees the benefits, but it took him a while to get there. Did you have this? Are you having the same experience? Yes, except he's still not there yet. <laughs> he uh, kind of just believes that if you have space for something, why would you get rid of it? Like if you can just leave it on a shelf somewhere, why would you bother getting rid of it? And then we'll be the first one to complain, you know, when we're running out of space and when we don't have available shelves for all of the new stuff that's coming in. And I think some some of it is just the way we were brought up, you know, like we have different baggage, I guess, that we each bring. So it's learned behaviors in a lot of ways, but it's been a struggle for me. The one thing that has helped has been texting him. Just, if I'm in the middle of decluttering, I will text him a photograph of things that I want to get rid of and then just get a yes or no from him because it just removes him kind of emotionally, physically from the situation. And I can get a much more, you know, rational, I guess, decision from him. That has really helped me. That's so smart. I, I, I love that. What we do in this house is all of the declutter stuff Joe goes through after so I let him kind of, I guess, make the final yes, no decision. And he always pulls things out of the boxes to keep always, but not everything. Yes. And that's the same thing. Like I would just send a picture of things that I want to get rid of. And I would say, this is what I'm ready to get rid of. And he will just say, well, I want to keep, you know, X, Y, Z. But it's easier because I have done all the hard work for him. You know, if I ask him to declutter something, that's work for him. Whereas if I do it and I say, hey, these are the things that I think we could part with, it's much easier for him to give a yes to that. But again, I let him have the final decision um, if it's stuff that affects both of us. Sometimes I do get a little frustrated because I know that we don't need something and I know it isn't 
you know, useful. And it's almost a little resentful because I'm the one who has to manage this stuff. Yes. So <laughs> I'm like, listen, you don't even touch it or even you didn't even know we had it. Yes. So why are you so attached to it? It gets, it, it does get very frustrating, but it's all about compromise and marriage. And I, Joe is, I feel like he's there 90% of the way there, but it took 12 years. I need to know what you are doing. <laughs> get him to that stage because mine I don't know if he'll ever be at that stage but I just try and remind myself that he has many other qualities decluttering not one of them but many other qualities that I can utilize you know he can look after our daughter while I am decluttering he can prepare meals while I'm decluttering so uh, uh, yeah, I just have to try and focus on that. <laughs> I would say I've probably decluttered 70 or to 75% of our belongings. Have you decluttered a large amount? Were you ever at a point where you really struggled with too much stuff? Let me know your decluttering journey and what that looks like. I would say 70% would probably be quite accurate for me also, but I think we have reaccumulated a lot of stuff. So when we lived in Ireland, we shared a small-ish space, you know, housing in Ireland is not exactly expensive. Um, so it was kind of by necessity um, to dig my way out of <laughs> spaces that I, you know, when you're, when you have to cross a floor and you're like stepping on clothes and things, that's a bit of a, um, an eye-opening moment. But then, you know, we moved to the States. Our home is so much bigger and it just becomes easier to overlook clutter because it's not as in your face and it's not having as immediate an impact. So it's been tricky. I think you just have to kind of keep on top of it because otherwise you will get to a stage where you get back to that you know, not being able to walk across the floor. Um, but it will just, if I let it go, it will get to a stage where it's much more difficult to manage. When you live in a small space, you notice it much quicker. When you live in a larger space, you don't notice it as quickly. And by the time you do, it's just got really out of hand. So I am I try to stay on top of it as much as I can. Yeah, that's, I think what people don't always understand about the decluttering process. It isn't a project, it's... A process it's a process right because it it's forever we always are accumulating new things and we grow to our fishbowl so the bigger house we have the more we mm -hmm. fill up and because we don't notice it it can be an overwhelming amount of stuff but it doesn't look like an overwhelming stuff yes exactly it's like a purse you know like the larger your purse the more stuff you're going to squash into it until someday you're looking for a receipt or a pen or your phone or your keys or something and then it becomes a problem but it's very easy to overlook those small little clutter creeps um I try and break it down by space in my home so every now and again I will tackle you know like the bathroom drawers and then I will tackle a bookcase um and it just means that I'm kind of doing everything on rotation so no one area is getting out of hand except my husband's office that's his own domain and I just leave him to it which I think is important too like letting someone if they're not on board letting them have space where they can feel like you know it's their little fortress where they don't have to worry about you know stuff going missing or anything like that yeah um, they can just have their own space and yeah that's that the, how they want it to be i i love that my husband and i that is our ongoing joke in our house yeah. is 
he's, I'm always moving his stuff. I'm always tidying his stuff. We have very different organizing styles. So I don't want to see anything. And he also likes things behind closed doors, except if he's still using it or not done with it or hasn't had the time to make the perfect home yet, he will leave his piles everywhere. And I get really sick of them and I hide his piles away. And then it's this vicious, like, where's my XYZ? And we hunt for it. So he has the garage, which I do not touch. It is a holy disaster, but that's okay because it's his domain. Yeah, I, it, it really makes a difference. When you have space that you feel safe in, it makes it easier then for you to kind of let go in other areas, knowing that you can retreat to this safe space for yourself. I want to talk to, us, uh, to you for a second about your health journey. So I have an autoimmune disease. I have Hashimoto's and I don't talk about it a lot, but I'm just now getting to the point. I'm dipping my toe in the, I want to get healthier water. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's scary. It's a scary place, mm -hmm. but I'd love to know a little bit about your journey, your health journey. And if you feel like the decluttering has helped improve your health. My journey is slightly different in the sense that I have suffered from chronic pain for many, many years since my daughter was born and have never been able to get to the bottom of it. And then two years ago, then my father was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. So I went to get myself tested and my blood levels are abnormal, but nothing specific is showing up. So they believe it's the beginnings of an autoimmune disease, but like you have been suffering from at least the symptoms of autoimmune diseases and just trying to get to the bottom of that and trying to figure out, you know, what is helping, what is not helping, looking for a diagnosis, essentially. Yeah. And so you haven't got a diagnosis at this time. Not yet, but I am fighting for it. I am. And this is something that I learned, you know, after I had my daughter. So her birth was a slight emergency situation and I really felt completely out of control at the time I felt like I had no uh, um, agency over the situation and I think now that I have you know something going on I am much more proactive about it you know I will speak up for myself I will advocate for myself and if a doctor you know tells me you know we'll just keep an eye on it come back in six to twelve months I'm at a place now where I can say no, I want this investigated further and I want it done now. Um, and that's been a really important um, part of the journey for me, learning to speak up and learning to advocate for myself and my needs and, you know, just knowing my body and knowing uh, what is best for me. It sounds like we actually have a very similar story. So when I was pregnant with Milo, I started having uh, my blood wouldn't clot and other uh, strange things that my pediatrician, like my gynecologist, I mean, said, it's an autoimmune, like your, your immune system's going crazy. And then after he was born, my hair started falling out. I was very exhausted. I felt like just, I've been hit by a truck and everyone says, well, you just had a baby. And I said, I had two other babies and I didn't feel this way. Something is wrong. And I kept going back to the doctor saying something is wrong. And I was severely anemic. And they said, oh, that's why you just need blood transfusions. And it took two years before I finally got the diagnosis of Hashimoto's, which was for some reason, my immune system attacking my thyroid gland. But also, I no longer absorbed iron and just my body was wonked. And I saw a specialist who just said, well, this happens sometimes after you have a baby. 
like that, 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 that was it. So helpful. Sometimes when you have a baby, your immune system just goes bonkers after. So I've been taking medication to sort of solve the problem, but not solve the problem, but like as a band-aid mm -hmm. so that my hair stops falling out and I'm not freezing and I'm not exhausted all the time. But the underlying thing is still there. And that's exactly and what so... I've said to my doctor. Like, I'm not happy to just take medication for this. I want to get to the root cause. And that is what is so important. You can stick a band-aid on things, you know, for years and years. But if you can actually treat the root cause, you're not going to need those band-aids anymore. Right. So this is my, I'm just, same as you, I'm starting to look more into it. So I did go into remission when I took out, when I stopped eating sugar and carbohydrates, mm. but that was like awful. Okay, Laura, listen, oh. I don't, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you're telling me I've done it. I, yeah, not fun. That's one of the things I've done on my health journey as well. So initially I did a gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free, fat-free um, diet as recommended by my doctor. And it was it was okay. I mean, I survived. It was just for a month to see if my blood work, you know, if it changed anything. And then after that, she had me do a completely clean diet where I was not allowed to consume anything processed. So I came off all medication, all vitamins, supplements, everything like that, and just ate clean, which was basically just vegetables. And that was horrendous. <laughs> was horrendous. Sounds horrible. Yes. <laughs> and did your blood levels improve? Uh, they had improved slightly, not enough that, you know, I would think that it had worked. And they called me and said, you know, there's some improvement on some things, you know, we're going to get you back in another month. So just keep doing what you're doing. And I just turned around and straight up said, nope, like this is slowly killing nope. me. I just can't do it. Like I will, of course, you know, try to eat as healthy as I can, but I cannot keep up this clean eating. My body was like shutting down. I was in pain i was lightheaded i thought i was having a heart attack i was getting all these chest pains dizziness it was not a fun time it was not a fun time that sounds horrible yes. no that sounds horrible well i i want to keep following your health journey and i feel like this is an important thing to talk about because it's surprising how many women after they've had a baby have this undiagnosed lingering autoimmune disorder yes and it's so important it's to like track your symptoms and keep an eye on everything and you know even maybe keep a journal or something so that you have all of this evidence um, and you have you know maybe you can spot patterns and things like that like that was one of the things that really helped me knowing what was working what wasn't working or being able to pinpoint specific times things were happening or going to a doctor and saying you know look this is what has been happening this is how often it's been happening this is how severe it is this is how it's affecting other areas of my life. I don't, I don't know about you, but my memory is terrible, terrible. So terrible. No, it's awful. Yeah. It's like a brain damage bad. I don't know. I, I'm the same. I, I have no recollection of the, I can watch a movie and like straight afterwards, not remember anything from it. So if I don't write things down, it, it may as well not have happened, you know? So I write everything down now and it just, it, I, I have that record. But another thing is just knowing your own body, like noticing certain mm -hmm. things. So a very recent example was that, you know, I do breast checks regularly. And recently I found a lump and I went to my physician with it and she felt nothing. She was like, this all seems totally normal to me. You know, I can't feel anything out of the ordinary. But because I have, you know, like done these breast checks for years and because I know my own body, I was able to say to her, this is not normal. 
I know this lump has not been here before. So she referred me for a mammogram and it showed up a cyst. Um, now, thankfully, it was benign, but it just goes to show that you really have to be in tune with your body. And again, advocate for yourself and just say, you know what, this is not normal. It's not normal for me. And therefore, it needs to be investigated further. And hopefully, you know, nothing will come of it, but you will at least get peace of mind. And if something does come of it, you will then be able to start, hopefully, on your journey to healing. I love that. Yeah, just stand up for yourself. It can sometimes feel like I've... I've almost felt like doctors think when I go and I'm talking about my symptoms that maybe I'm a hypochondriac and I've yeah. actually had doctors say, stay off WebMD, but it always turns out that there was something wrong. And I, I would rather I push for it. I would rather someone think I was a hypochondriac, you know, mm -hmm. rather than ignoring something. There have been so many times when I have had procedures or pushed for something and it has showed up, you know, something has shown up and that's, you know, like. I had a colonoscopy a few months ago because we were investigating this potential autoimmune thing. And I was like, I want all of the procedures done, like all of them. They're not pleasant. But I was like, I want to get to the bottom yeah, of this. Yeah, no, but give them to me. Yeah. And they found like precancerous polyps. So apparently there was like mm. a 25% chance that within four years they would have turned cancerous. And again, had I not you know, pushed and advocated and insisted on getting to the root cause of this problem, be living with something that it was too late to change. So again, really, I, I didn't do that when my daughter was born. So many things that I would go back and change about that whole delivery and the aftermath. But I've learned a lot of valuable lessons from it. I, I just love this. I hope those listening know that if you're feeling exhausted, I mean, I, I still am. I'll never have the same energy levels that I did before. If you feel like you have that mental fog, if you feel aches and pains that you, you didn't come before, this isn't just aging. This isn't just, oh, I had a baby. Trust yourself and your intuition to look into it, right? And, and to ask questions and to get blood work because you know your body better than anyone else. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm feeling so inspired and I hope everybody listening is feeling inspired too. You have to check out Laura. You have to follow her. You're so funny and inspiring <laughs> and incredible. Let everyone know how they can find you online. Yeah, so I am basically everywhere as how to G-Y-S-T. You'll find me on YouTube there. You'll find me Instagram, Pinterest, all the places, Facebook. If you put in how to G-Y-S-T, I will pop up magically. Also, I feel the same way about you. So funny, like just so interesting, so relatable, uh, just wonderful. Wonderful. You're wonderful, Cass. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for being on this podcast. I appreciate it. I hope we do this again oh, soon. Absolutely. Yes. Try and stop me. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. Thank you so much. And we'll see everybody next time.